Uh, so we have something of a special treat this morning, family. Uh, many of you guys know Emily and Jesse, who recently got married. Uh, yes, as uh, Eric would say, we are pro-marriage. That's good. <laughs> um, some of you may not know that Emily works for an organization called Center for Student Missions, uh, which is a national Christian kind of national domestic-based missions organization that is designed and intended to support ministries like ours um, that are doing work in America's cities um, and trying to come alongside them and, as in our case, help us fix up houses, um, rent at our building, and do other things that are helping us uh, be Jesus' hands and feet in this community. Uh, Well, Emily's boss is here today, Mr. Dan Reeve. If you wouldn't mind coming up, Dan. Uh, Dan is going to be preaching to us this morning. Dan, uh, I actually met about a year and a half ago uh, over at the Mac building when instead of him coming in and saying, we're going to bring CSM to your city, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, Dan, because he's been doing Christian community development for almost three decades now, uh, wisely brought myself and other Christian leaders in the city together and said, do you guys want this kind of help? Um, Are you looking for this kind of support? Because we don't want to just bring our agenda here, we want to come alongside you. Uh, and so since then, I've just really been encouraged and uh, been very appreciative of his leadership, and I'm really excited to hear what he has to say from the Lord today. So we're going to pray for Dan, uh, and then I'm going to turn the mic over to him. So let's pray. Father God, we are just really grateful for this opportunity to hear from a brother in Christ who is doing your work all around the country, uh, who you have done a work in his life. We know that... Uh, All of that stuff is great, but ultimately it is you and your Holy Spirit uh, that is necessary for us to both hear the word and and, uh, to receive it. So we pray that that would be true today, that you'd be able to speak through Dan, and that we would have ears to hear what you have to say. Uh, We love you, God. We're so grateful for this church and grateful for this time to learn. Amen. Amen. I can't handle the the Madonna mic, I call it. Well, good morning, church. A lot of times when people uh, say, hey, you know, we come and preach at our church, there are a few reasons. One is to yell at them uh, because the pastor can't. And so I, I, I yell and chastise them. Uh, another is um, because they're falling apart and I'm going to tell them bad news about, hey, you know what, you're about to die as a church. Uh, so that, that would be another reason. Um, uh, But uh, the reason I wanted to come and share with you this morning is because you're kind of a famous church. I don't know if you know that, but uh, you're known far and wide. I knew about you uh, before I even met Leon or or uh, or Nate or uh, or any of you guys. So uh, because you're a part of the Christian Community Development Association uh, network of thousands of other brothers and sisters. Uh, and ministries that are holistic and caring about reconciliation in the city. And I really want to commend you for being here in Detroit and being the people of God. Uh, I work, I live out of New York City. I, I grew up there, so if you need a translator, I, I, I don't know how to help you out on that one. Anybody else from New York? Yeah? Uh, is it New York City, though? Huh? Oh, oh, okay. Manhattan, he's from real New York. Uh, you know, if I need it, you can translate then. All right. And um, uh, Center for Student Missions works in 11 cities around the country. And uh, what we try to do is say, 
hey, let's not go in and do our own ministries, and let's not go in and tell the inner city what they need. Well, let's come in and partner in a genuine way. We, uh, we're fond of saying that we're trying like crazy not to pimp out the poor, really, and, and say, hey, listen, we'll take advantage of the poor and, and, uh, and use you so we can give a good experience to other people. Uh, so we try not to do that. And uh, one of the ways that we try not to do that is by coming to places like Mac Avenue and saying, hey, you want to partner with us? Can we work with you? What do you need? So we're really grateful that you've been willing to do that. Uh, I, am, I am leaving behind, I think you're in Exodus these days. Well, I'm leaving it behind. And um, I, I have a message for you. Uh, I can't teach you anything about uh, urban ministry, really. You folks are on the front lines. I can't teach you a whole lot about reconciliation because I can see that you're well into that journey. But I can tell you that the best thing you are doing is that you're being the church in the city. And, and you've got to help me out. Come on. You are being the church in the city. Uh, you know, I, I, I preached one time at a, a Kojic church, and, and there was a guy in the front, and, and he kept on saying, well... Help yourself, you know, and I, you know, and help me out. I, you know, <laughs> if we had an organ, you could help me out. Uh, <clears throat> uh, I believe with all of my heart that what every urban dweller, what every immigrant, what every kid at risk, what every uh, addict and user needs the most is intimacy. Intimacy means frequent, informal care for those around them. And who is the worst provider of intimacy? I got to tell you, it's social service agencies. We need them. We really do. But they don't provide intimacy. Who is the best provider of intimacy? Come on. The church. And I'm passionate about a lot of things. I love a lot of things in this world. Uh, Aside from Jesus and my family, I love White Castle sliders, man. All right? All right? Yeah, uh-huh. Afterwards, go get a couple of belly bombers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, I, eat them. I eat them once a week. Uh, I test out my friendships. You know, if you really want to be my friend, will you go and get a slider with me? I love sliders. And I love Coca-Cola. I, I got to tell you the truth. I don't like Pepsi. You know, and all those other diet drinks. I want a bottle of Coke. I love Coca-Cola. And I'm passionate about it. And there's always a Coke in my house. Well, not anymore. My wife doesn't let me drink anymore. But uh, what happens in Detroit stays in Detroit. I I love Coca-Cola. But you know what? I did not give my life to White Castle. And I did not give my life to Coca-Cola. What I gave my life to was the church. When I said, hey, what do I want to spend the rest of my life doing? What am I crazy about? What am I passionate about? What am I nuts about? It's the church. The people of God representing God in the city to people in an intimate way. And you know, you might say, well, what's so cool about the church? I happen to have my list right here. It's found in Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to read this for you. Matthew chapter 16. 
I'm going to read it closer because I'm going blind. Matthew 16, verse 19. Now when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? The, the man say, I, I, I've got, got the wrong version here. I've got your, your ESBs, page 822. Some say the John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, by Jonah, because for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but the Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will, uh, loosed in, on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he said, hey, don't tell anybody. What do I love about the church? I'll tell you what I love about the church. I love that the church is built on the foundation of Peter. Uh, you know, we, we had the Pope come through New York last week, and, and uh, I don't want anyone to think that, you know, I, I, I'm talking in that direction. But the text says you are going to be the foundation. It's, it's kind of like, you know, when I, I see, I work with the junior hires in my, my church, you know, and, and, uh, and, and sometimes they, they come up to me and say, you the man, you the man. And I say, no, no, you the man. Well, this is what's going on with Jesus and Peter. You know, uh, Peter says, you the rock, you the rock. He says, yeah, no, no, you the rock, you the rock. Uh, uh, and, and people say, oh, you know, what this means is that, that Jesus is the big, the big stone and, and, and he, Peter's the little pebble. No, I, I really believe that Jesus is saying, Peter, you are going to be the foundation of the church. And the reason I believe that is because the foundation of the church according to Ephesians is what is taught by the apostles and the prophets. In other words, the foundation of the church, I believe, is the word of God revealed to the apostles and prophets. And so while Peter's saying, you're going to be the foundation, I'm going to reveal to you what you already have revealed to you, and you're going to use that to build this foundation. The foundation of the church isn't a, a bishop or, or, or a cardinal. It isn't uh, the founder of a denomination. It isn't Billy Graham or, 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 or uh, N.T. Wright or, 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 or any of these folks. The foundation is the word of God. And I love the church, and I'm proud to be a churchman because I know that the foundation that it stands on is the word of God. I also love the identity. I love the identity of the church. The identity of the church is, Peter, I will build my church. I'm so glad that God didn't decide to build Pastor Leon's church or Pastor Dan's church, or the Presbyterian church, or the Catholic church, or the Lutheran church. I, I, I think the Southern Baptist maybe got to build, but uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I'm from the Evangelical Free Church, you know, and uh, uh, which, which some people think means, uh, oh, you're free of evangelicals, but, uh, you know, um, but it's not. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm so glad that my identity is found in Jesus' church. 
And, you know, identity is really important. I, I have a brother, Paul, who for some reason has an afro, still does. Um, and we convinced him when he was a boy that his name was Pablo and that he was adopted. That's, I, I, for almost a year, this kid believed that he was adopted and his name was Pablo. And, um, and, and, and after a while, my mother started getting mad at, at Paul and saying, What's wrong with you? And finally, one day, Paul admitted and said, Danny, Danny says that I'm adopted, and I don't know who my mommy and daddy are, and, and, and my name is really Pablo. And, 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 and my mother said, what? You know, so my mother drags him into the bathroom and takes him to the mirror and says, look in that mirror. Who do you look like? What, what about that nose? This is quite the nose, isn't it? What about that nose? I said, well, it looks like your nose. Yeah, and who else does it look like? It looks like Danny's nose. And, and I have five brothers, and, and, and they were all complicit in this, uh, in this conspiracy. And, 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 and Guy's nose, and, 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 and Alan's nose, and, and even Penny's nose. And, and she said, what do you think that means? It's a Reeve nose. Yeah, that's right. So who are you? I'm a Reeve. And he, she, he was so ecstatic to know that he really was a Reeve. Nothing to be proud of, believe me. But, but he was so proud that he knew his identity and the security that came with that of knowing that he was loved by someone that didn't just adopt him, but that he belonged to them. And that, you know, Ogden Nash says, home is the place that when you go there, they got to let you in. You know, that, and he was so, so, so unbelievably overwhelmed with joy and happiness. And then my mother smacked me bad, you know, for that. You know, uh, you can have so much joy in knowing that your identity is in Christ's church, in the church of God, not the church of Mac Avenue, not the church of, of the Lutherans, not the church of, of Detroit, but in Christ's church. That's your identity. That's why I love the church. That's why I love the church. Here's another reason. It's vitality. I, I love what Jesus says. Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, I don't know what that means, but I used to have dreams about these great big gates that looked like hell uh, that were on the march, you know, and a movement. And that can't be what it means. But what it actually means, the gates of hell all through the Old Testament refers to death. Oh, as I come upon the gates of hell, the king says. So gates of hell is death. And what... Jesus is saying is that the church will never die. You can't kill this thing. You cannot kill the church. It's a little bit like roaches in New York City. I'm not kidding. I mean, we respect them so much in New York. They're so big that we don't even call them roaches. We're, we're afraid to offend them. So we call them water bugs. Am I right? We call them water bugs. And and you know, you can step on them, you can stomp them, you can sick the dog on them, you can get your steel-toed foot and stomp on it, but you can't kill the dumb things. All you can do is shriek and run. You know, the, the rats in New York carry switchblades to protect themselves from, from roaches. They really do. That's all you can do. And, 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 and I think, you know, what does a cockroach in the church have in common? You can't kill it. 
It's always going to be here. It's forever. It's never going to be defeated by the evil one. It's never going to be defeated by the world. And when people say, oh, secularism and postmodern Christianity is going to do in the church, horse feathers. That can't possibly be. When people tell you that, you say the Greek word I love the most, hogwashamai. You know, uh, no, it can't be because Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. What's not to love? Here's a fourth reason I love the church. I love the church because he says he will build it. He will build it. Now, I happen to know that you know something about building stuff. And, uh, and Nate and some of you other folks. And when he says, I will build my church, what he's saying is that you can't do it. You're not going to do it. You're not responsible for it. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know, he's not building a shack. I, I love to tell people about how stupid I was when I was a kid. Um, when I was a kid, and I, this tells you how old I am, I, I went to high school and uh, uh, watched from my high school the World Trade Center towers going up in the 1960s. And, um, and one day, uh, my brother and I went down to Manhattan to see the towers being built, and all we found was a bunch of dirt and some people dynamiting some stuff in a shack. And so I went up to the construction guy and said, Hey, uh, mister, uh, is that the World Trade Center? It was a tool shack. I, I didn't say it was bright, you know. I, and, and the guy said, what? I said, well, I heard they were building the World Trade Center towers. It was going to be the biggest building in the world. Is that it? And the guy, I'm telling you, the guy did this. The Italian construction worker, he hits me in the head. He goes, are you stupid or something? You know, uh, that's a tool shack. You know, do you think we blew up this hole and made it this deep to build that shack? And I thought, I don't know. I don't know anything about construction. Well, that's how stupid we are when we think that Jesus gave his life and he revealed his word as a foundation so he could build a shack. Are you kidding me? Jesus wants to build his church, the people of God, a mighty missional force that brings the kingdom to... That's vital. That's, that's the church. Here's the last reason I love the church. According to the scriptures here, I, you know, I'm just preaching the book. My, uh, my father was a simple man, and uh, when he became a Christian, he always said, uh, you know, he was in a Presbyterian church, and we're always talking about that tulip thing, you know, the, you know. And he said, oh, I don't know nothing about that tulip. I just know the sweet rose of Sharon, you know. And, uh, and, and that's what he would say about the book. I don't know nothing about that theologian. I just know the book. And he really did. Well, I just know the book. And I'm going to tell you one more piece of my theology that might freak you out a little bit. But I love the church because of the authority that I have in that church. Because he says, I'm Peter going to give you the keys I'm going to give you the keys. I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth, I'm going to bind in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth, I'm going to loose in heaven. And you think, oh, that, that sounds like the Pope to me. I, I, you know, but it isn't. 
you know, because Peter never said he was any kind of pope. All we know is that he said, I'm going to give you the keys. And here's what I really believe the keys are. The keys are this authority to bring the gospel good news and the kingdom to the whole world. And how did Peter use these keys? Did he use them to start the Vatican? Uh Uh-uh. What he did is he said, I'm going to go first in chapter 2 of Acts to the Jews. And I'm going to open up the kingdom and come on into the kingdom. We're offering you to come and be followers of Jesus. And then he took that authority in chapter 8 of Acts. And he said to the Samaritans, those no good half-breeds that people used to think about, and said, hey, you're welcome to come into the kingdom. And then, worst of all, he took those keys in chapter 10 and he went to the Gentiles and the pagans. And he said, hey, listen, come on in to the kingdom. Come on in. What authority you and I have that we can go throughout Detroit and we can sponsor throughout the nation and the world and invite people to come and follow Jesus, to repent of their sins, and to come and join his kingdom. You've got that authority. It's not just your elders or your pastors. Uh, No offense to your elders, you know, uh, but uh, you know how important keys are, right? You know, when you were a baby and you were in church and your father wanted to keep you shut up and he would take out his keys. Come on, did anyone do that? You know, did anyone ever do that? Yeah, yeah. And and you jingle it and, and, and the baby would play with it. Don't do that. It aggravates the pastor. Um, but, but keys, and then, and then when you got old enough, and finally your daddy said, hey, here's the key to the house. We trust you to come into the house on your own from now on. Wow. Wow, he didn't give me the house. He just gave me the authority to get into it. And then when you were 16 or 18 in New York, uh, uh, you know, and you could drive, uh, you didn't go and say, dad, can I borrow the car? You just said, dad, can I have the keys to the car? Because the keys gave me the authority to drive dad's car. Even though my daughter often drove my car without dad's authority. Uh, she had a boyfriend that knew how to hotwire my car. I, I'm, I'm not kidding. Um, that's what you get for raising kids in the city. Um, keys have that authority, that amazing authority. And you have that authority. Do you know that you can go around and tell people, you know, it's not bad news, it's good news. Hey, Jesus loves you. Come on into the kingdom. You're welcome. Please come and follow Jesus. It's great news, and you have the authority to do that. It's not just the priests. It's just not the pastors or the missionaries. Hey, why do I love the church? Are you kidding? Think about it. This is an amazing thing. It's not an organization. It's a movement of God's people with his identity and his vitality and his eternality and his authority. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? Brothers and sisters, i got to tell you this. The thing you're doing right is you didn't start with Jonathan. You started with the church and Jonathan attached to it. And the church attached to Jonathan. Because Jonathan represents in the Mac Avenue, what is it called? Development, thank you, sorry. The Mac Avenue development uh, It represents the people of God in this community. So, why am I here today? I'm here to tell you that you really ought to be proud, church men and women. You ought to be glad. 
Don't ever be embarrassed to say, I go to church. I'm a part of a church. I'm a member of a church. I'm active in a church. You know, the implications of this are amazing because, you know, the relationships you have in this church are forever. You're stuck with one another because it's eternal. And, and, and the implication is that you are joining something where you, you might think you're not smart enough or rich enough or, or gifted enough, but whatever you've got has enough vitality in the church that has all that power and authority. That's an amazing thing. And I would never be embarrassed if I were you to invite people to come and visit and join Mac Avenue because it's Christ's church. I don't know what else to tell you. I love my White Castles. I love my Coke. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love Jesus. But I really am passionate about his church. What could I ask you to give the rest of your life to? Certainly not to anything less than Christ's church. That's my message to you today. Let me pray for you. Oh, God, I thank you that The people of God are represented here in this part of Detroit representing you to this community. Thank you, God, because you said that you ordained the time and place of our habitation so that we might seek you. And here you are, and people seeking you are going to find you here through this body of believers called the church. I pray, God, that not one single person, boy, girl, man, or woman, in this room would ever be embarrassed to say, I go to church. I pray, God, that no one would ever have an inferiority complex about being a church person that isn't an elder, but that they are part of the identity of your church. I pray, God, that no one would ever in this room ever feel impotent again because they are attached to this vital thing that you are building. I pray, God, that every man, woman, boy, and girl in this room would be energized and passionate about what you're doing in a holistic and compassionate way through your church to this city. And this we pray in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen.